The space is absolutely incredible. Another studio across town. But there's a lot to wrap up. But staffing an entire office requires more than just deep breathing. And at least four new practitioners. Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Lacrosse's official forecast. And looks like a little bit of a cloudy start to the day. Uh, we're looking at 70 degrees outside right now. And uh, as I came into the studio, there were a couple of drops of rain uh, coming down. Nothing crazy, though. Just a few drops here and there. And uh, looking out through the rest of the day, we've got partly cloudy uh, skies uh, with afternoon showers and thunderstorms. Some can contain strong uh, gusty winds. We're in a, a level one risk for severe weather. So I guess the possibility exists, but not to worry about it too much. Uh, looking out through the rest of the week, uh, tonight we or uh, tomorrow we have uh, partly to mostly cloudy skies with a high of 78. And then we get on a roller coaster for uh, these uh, highs, it seems. Uh, Monday, a high of 81 and sunny. Tuesday, push 90 degrees and sunny. Wednesday, 69 and partly cloudy. So, yeah, it's going to be up and down, and there's no rain right there either. Usually when you see that big of a drop, there's some rain in between. Uh, let's see, Thursday, 65, partly cloudy, 64 for Friday, and it will be 69 on Saturday with some a.m. showers and cloudy skies. We'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM, The Plant Doctor Show, in just a minute. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Yeah, it's getting to be the end of the summer. Good morning. Uh, welcome to 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show. My name's Mike Meyer, and for the next hour, I'll be taking your calls and answering your questions about anything that's green or growing. So if uh, your uh, house plants aren't looking too great, you're thinking they're they should be uh, looking a little bit more chipper right now and wondering why. Or uh, maybe you got some a uh, little bit of work to do outside, not sure how to go about doing it, reseeding your lawn or something along those lines. Go ahead and give me a call. Uh, shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And going to start off the show really quick, if I can get this mouse to work, with a uh, text that came in to Dan's Deals. Uh, but, uh, kind of, it's a rollover question, I guess, foldover question, however you would put it. Uh, somebody is looking for pansies, uh, any greenhouse have them. And, uh, that came from blue and blue. I'm sorry to tell you, but this is the wrong time of the year for pansies, uh, that they're generally a spring flower and there's not too many places that push them, uh, this time of the season. But, yeah, they would last great going into the winter. I mean, they'd uh, cut through frost and stuff like that. But uh, they're just not too popular for now. But, you know, even though we've been having a warm-up this week, uh, if you haven't started thinking about bringing your plants in, uh, it's time to. 
because it takes time to transition your tender plants from outdoors to inside. And it's not something that you want to get stuck doing the last minute for quite a few different reasons. So I figured we'd talk about that today. But like I said, as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. And we got one call coming in, so we're going to jump right to the lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who is this? This is Jim. Hey, Jim. How's it going? Not too bad. I got a question. I got a question for you for um, uh, rhubarb. Okay. Um, how are you supposed to take care of the rhubarb to make it? Are we supposed to pull the all the stalks out so it's flat? Or are we supposed to cut them? Cut them. What do you do for during the winter? You want to cut them uh, down so it's flat. Don't pull them. Don't pull them. You'll uh, disturb the roots. But go ahead and uh, cut them off flat to the ground. All right. And when do you do that? Can you do it now, or do you have to wait until like uh, closer to winter? If you did it now, uh, it probably wouldn't have any detrimental effect. But they will probably still regrow again. Uh, the best way to do it that I've always said is uh, when you're out there doing your last mowing, mow over the top of the plant. Oh. Because most people have them growing out on the edge of their lawn as it is anyhow. So that makes, you know, quick, easy way of doing it. All right. Well, that sounds good. I just didn't know if you were supposed to cut everything off or just leave it for the winter. Uh, you could leave it for the winter. It's best to cut it off, to be honest with you. Uh, the more, the idea behind that is the more uh, plant area that you have above the ground, uh, that is going to be dead and decaying, that uh, decay or rot will follow its way right back down inside the plant, which and that can transmit diseases and stuff down to the uh, plant underneath the ground. Okay. So by cutting it off low, a lot of times that will harden off the top of the plant, and you don't have that issue happening. Well, well thank you. Okay, you have a good day. You too, bye-bye. Thanks for the call, Jim. And yeah, uh, that goes for pretty, you know pretty much anything. Uh, we took down our uh, peony bush, uh, I believe, it was last week. We cut it down. Uh, there didn't make any sense to leave it up anymore. Uh, the uh, it's getting hammered by powdery mildew, and sometimes they do this time of the year. Uh, but our uh, irises, I believe, are going to come down uh, next week uh, when we mow. Uh, they're getting to the point now where they can come down as well. But a lot of your fall bulbs and stuff like that, um, you want to go ahead and let them go until the leaves start to die back naturally. And at that point, that's when you know that the uh, bulbs or the tubers or rhizomes, depending on you know what plant you're talking about, is all recharged and ready to go for the next season. And that's what you're looking for with the uh, rhubarb, too. And we're getting close to the end of the season, so cutting it down now isn't really going to hurt it, but it'd still be best if you let it go for a little bit longer. Okay, uh, again, if you got a question about anything that's green or growing, go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Now, like I was saying, when you're bringing your plants in, you don't want to get stuck doing this at the last minute and all at once. Uh, your plants will greatly appreciate you uh, taking a proactive approach with this. 
and uh, they like the gradual change from being outdoors uh, to being inside your home. And they like this because, you know, temperature-wise, of course, there's a big uh, difference in temperatures, especially nighttime temps. But also, they're going from a much more humid environment outside to a much more arid environment inside your home. And uh, this means your uh, watering schedule is probably going to change up quite a bit. It might uh, vary when you're, you know, transitioning it uh, to, you know, even be different when uh, you bring it inside inside. Uh, Now, plants that don't require misting uh, or that do require misting uh, indoors when you move them outside, you don't have to worry about them as much because they're sucking all that moisture right out of the air, but that means you're going to have to start doing it again as you bring them indoors. And you do need to, uh, you know, keep uh, hitchhikers from coming inside too with all the insects. Uh, you don't want to go bringing them inside and, you know, turn your house into a little zoo. That really bites but nobody wants to go spray an insecticide all over the plants once they're inside. So it's best to do this while they're outdoors and you can start taking care of it now. But first let's talk about bringing the plants, uh, transitioning them slowly. Like I said, you don't want to bring it from straight outside to straight inside. Uh, the best thing to do if you happen to have one is like a three season porch or is it three season or five season porch, Terry. Uh, they call them three seasons or five? Three seasons, okay. Uh, and that way they're, you know, they're protected from uh, extremes and you're getting them out of the uh, direct sunlight and uh, you can effectively, you know, keep any insects from getting back on them and you can treat the ones that are there. So they're basically quarantined while they're on your porch. But they're still separate from uh, your plants that are inside the house. And so you bring them in from, you know, outdoors, pop them into a uh, a three-season screen room or what have you. And uh, generally that's good. And you want to give them at least a week, possibly two, in the, uh, you know, uh, the screened-in porch before bringing them all the way inside. And during this time, you can go ahead and uh, treat them for insects. And that's good. That's just about enough time uh, to make sure that you're not going to be bringing in, like I said, any hitchhikers. Uh, There's a lot of bugs which come in from outdoors. Uh, You get a lot of problems with fungus gnats and uh, things like that, white fly. And these are insects that you don't even notice outside because, you know, the great outdoors... A infestation of white fly has got, you know, a family of white fly. It has all sorts of places to go to. But inside your house, they swarm on particular plants. And they start doing some serious damage. And plus, it's always aesthetically bad. You know, you brush up against a plant and all these little bugs take off from it. Nobody likes that. Uh, and So white flies are one that uh, comes in quite a bit during that transition. Another one is mealybugs. Mealybugs are closely uh, related to aphids. And you look at them, and they're like these little tiny white fluffs of fur. 
Uh, a lot of times you'll see them on Christmas cactuses, uh, jade plants uh, are notorious for getting them. Uh, but they can pretty much show up on any plant. And like I said, they're these little white tufts of fur. You don't even see a uh, bug. All you see is this little white tuft. And generally you see them on the uh, leaf stems and up underneath the leaves of the plant. And in the crotch for the leaf stem. They can do a lot of damage. Now, uh, the best way, like I said, you're going to have to use, uh, if they're outside, you can use a straight-out insecticide like a contact killer. Uh, if uh, you're bringing them inside your house, you're going to want to use something like insecticidal soap. Uh, that way they're, you're uh, not you know, spraying a poison around the inside of your house, something that could bother you. Insecticidal soap is generally just glycerin and water, and it smothers the insects. But regardless, you're going to want to get on a plan and a schedule. And you're going to want to spray the plant about uh, once every five days for about a series of five weeks. And that way there, you're going to take care of any uh, generation of insects as they hatch, whether they're coming up from the soil or they're, uh, you know, hatching from the plant itself. Because a lot of times these sprays will not take care of the eggs. So, uh, you know, the eggs are still going to hatch. Now, you're going to want to kill off those, that new generation before they have a chance to move away from the plant, number one. And number two before they have a chance to start creating their next generation when they sexually mature. And by doing it every five days, you'll be catching them uh, before they get to that point. And uh, by stretching it out over, you know, uh, five weeks, you'll be, uh, you know, covering a period so you make sure that any generation of uh, eggs have hatched and you've killed off any hitchhikers. And then you're pretty much good and safe uh, with those plants. Okay, we're going to take a break here and take care of a little bit of business. But we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM in just a minute. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we will be right back. Now it's time to call in with your planter. Long- and we are back. And uh, this morning we're talking about... Uh, you know, winterizing your plants and uh, breaking them in slowly from uh, outdoors and uh, also anything else that uh, might come up. So if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, it could be about your house plants. Uh, it could be about your lawn, your garden, trees, shrubs, whatever. Go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And I just got a uh, text message from Skipper. I have two banana plants about five feet tall, one brand new 12-inch blue banana plant. What is the best fertilizer uh, for them? I've tried miracle Grow uh, green crystals, but that turned the big one's leaves brown. Okay, uh, bananas are notoriously a beast to grow indoors, number one in this area. Uh, it may have been the fertilizer that turned them brown. It may have been the amount of hum- uh, humidity inside your house. Bananas require a high humidity uh, um, high uh, moisture for their you know them to uh, flourish. 
Uh, they do not like interior parts of houses at all. Uh, they don't like air conditioning. They do not like uh, forced air heat because, you know, they're both very, very dry. And that is the number one cause for uh, bananas to not make it indoors. Uh, you have to miss them or have a humidifier going nearby them almost constantly. Now, as far as uh, fertilizing goes, you know, miracle Grow may have been a little bit too much nitrogen. Bananas are one of the types of plants uh, that can get by. They need a little bit of nitrogen, but not that much. You want to lean more towards the phosphorus or uh, potash end of the uh, fertilizer scale. And if you were to look at a package of fertilizer, that would be the uh, latter of the three numbers. The latter two of the three numbers. Uh, the first one being nitrogen, the second one being uh, phosphorus, and the third one being potash. Okay, uh, that brings us to a phone call, and we have another text, uh, so let's take the phone call first. They were first. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Mike. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Good. What can I do for um, you? We have some pine trees that are dying. Mm-hmm. I, I believe they're blue spruce. They're small, smaller needles. Okay. Very prickly needles? Yeah. Pardon? Very prickly? Yes. Okay. Um, one died completely. I, it was, I cut it off. Mm. There's another one that's half dead, you know, half of it on the bottom is dying. And then I have a couple others that on the northeast side of the pine tree, the bigger ones. I can tell that they look like they're dying. Okay. Now, uh, are they dying from the outside in or the inside out? Can you inside just... out. From the inside out. Okay. And these tr uh, plants, that uh, the one that died back completely, where was that located? Uh, was it up against the house or... No, it's pretty much out in the open by my pole shed, and the, and then the other ones are spread quite a ways apart. And I have some really nice newer ones that we planted later. They're doing good. Okay. So uh, now the uh, ones that uh, have died back are they taller, like more mature trees? Um, two of them are. Okay. How uh, close to the ground are the branches? Right close to the ground, right so, next the, to it. So uh, you're not cutting up, uh, if you're mowing the grass, you're not cutting up to the tree trunk itself. You're staying away from the tree trunk? Yes. Okay. Um, trying to rule things out. Okay, because dying from the uh, inside out is strange. Uh, most of the diseases that hit spruces will uh, make them die from the outside in. And uh, there are a couple that will do from uh, the inside out. <clears throat> they will naturally lose their needles from the inside out uh, to where the, to the only outer portion of the uh, tree has uh, any needles on them. And that's completely right. normal. that's what this is doing. Yeah, that's normal for a uh, blue spruce. Uh, 
when they get about above eight feet generally is when you really start to see this uh, taller than that or shorter than eight feet. You're going to have some uh, needles going back on the inside of the branches, but as they get bigger than that, uh, they really start dying. The inner part of the uh, needles will die the closest to the trunk and it'll start working its way out to where it's only a couple feet of uh, live going into the, uh, from the outside the uh, tray. Is that what's going on? Yeah, it's the, it's from the ground up it starts, and, mm-hmm. and then there's like one patch on the east northeast side of these bigger trees. There's a patch that it's just starting to die. Oh, uh, that may be a different issue altogether. Uh, so let's jump over to that one because uh, just the. Uh, Normal uh, needles uh, falling off from uh, the inside out, like I said, is normal. Uh, but the northeast side, now that's the side that gets uh, very, very little sunlight. Uh, is there anything else going on on that side? Is there a building or anything like that right there? Or? No. No? Okay. Uh, is there anything going on? Was that a new plant or a, uh, an existing one? They're older trees. It's an older tree. Okay. Is there any damage uh, to the trunk at all? I don't know. I can't get, don't even see the trunk hardly. Okay. Uh, You might want to check, see if uh, generally they won't munch on spruces that much, but uh, voles will eat any bark if they uh, get the chance. Uh, So you might want to see if there's any vole damage down there uh, that's affecting one side of the tree. Uh, That if you look right at the uh, trunk close to the ground, you will see an area that would be eaten away down to the wood. And uh, that's pro- that's where I'm going to lean towards since it's only affecting one uh, portion of the tree because uh, if you take out a little bit of uh, bark on one side of the tree, it's not going to affect the other uh, side. So it's my guess it's something along those lines. So why don't you take a look and, at the trunk and... Uh, Check and see if there's any damage. If there is, and if it's a thinner tree, you can go ahead and uh, pop a volgard around it. Uh, you might have to take up some of the branches off the bottom in order to fit one. Uh, but uh, that might be your issue right there. Okay? Should I um, should I start trimming the bottom of them so you I can, can get to the trunk? You can. Uh, go ahead and prune back those branches right back to the uh, trunk itself. Okay? But I'm going to have to go now because we're up against the news. So I'm going to have to okay, let you go. Thank you. Okay. We've got one caller coming in and a few texts that we will get back to uh, when we come back. Uh, if you got a question about anything green or growing, go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. For you, President Biden. And we are back. And let's see, I had a few texts uh, come in and one phone call. Uh, I'm going to take care of this one text really quick before we get over uh, to the phone call. But uh, let's see, it was Trumplo Tom saying uh, this is getting to be more and more common and it's likely Diplodia in reference to uh, Mike's call about the blue spruce. And uh, I agree, Diplodia is a, a disease in the area that is very common. And... Uh, so Tom's right in that respect, but I doubt it is Diplodia in this case because there are other certain characteristics of uh, Diplodia 
that people don't not mention. I mean, they always mention it. Uh, you get the cankers on the uh, branches and stuff like that. You get the sap running down the side of the tree and uh, the branch of the tree, which it sticks out like a sore thumb. And uh, if it's just needle cast, uh, and it got to the point of uh, the tree itself dying, uh, I doubt it was diplodia uh, if they did not have those other uh, issues going on. But uh, you know, diplodia is definitely out there and it is becoming an issue. Uh, another name for diplodia is called needle cast. But uh, let's see, we got two more texts and uh, one caller. I promised the caller would be the first one, so let's jump over the phone lines. But that leaves two open ones, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This Jim. Hey, Jim. What can I do for you? Hey, I've got a pine tree, mm-hmm. and I don't know what type it is. It's just a uh, pine tree that kids brought home from school. And it's, like, way growing fast. And I was wondering, how, how do I trim it to, so it's, like, the edges, I guess? How, how far am I supposed to go back when I trim it? Okay. Uh, how old is it? Like, six years old? Six years, years old. Eight years, I believe. But it's already, like, 12 feet tall. How, 12 feet tall? It's only six years old? Wow. That's really pushing. Six. Yeah, six or eight years. Okay. Uh, my daughter brought it home when she was in, uh, like, fifth grade. Okay. If you're wanting to shape a pine, uh, you always want to just go back to last year's growth. Now, so how do you know when last year's growth is? There is a, a definite question. color difference in the uh, needles. You uh, look okay. at the needles, and there'll be a blatant difference between uh, this year's and last year's needles. Uh, they, the last years will harden off, become woodier. Uh, they will lose a lot of their greener color, uh, you know, the lush green color, and they go to more of a uh, dark forest green. Uh, it's easy. And you could also look at the uh, branch itself and that will tell you there's a difference in the uh, bark from, uh, this year's growth to uh, last year's. All right. Okay. Yeah, I think I can figure that out then, I guess. Okay. All right. Good. Well, thank you. No problem, Jim, and you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. And that gives us three open lines. Uh, So if you got a question about anything that's uh, green or growing, don't, please don't wait to the end of the show. I say this every week, and it seems like every week people wait until the end of the show, and I leave here without getting to everybody. Uh, with callers left on the line. So uh, if you got a question, go ahead and give me a call now or shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And this que- next question comes up. It does not have a name. How much cow manure uh, do you want to use in a raised vegetable garden? Uh, third year using uh, compost dirt mix from Christian Farms Nursery. Okay, it really depends. I can't, without knowing the size of the uh, uh, thing, I can't give you an idea of how much manure to add, to be quite honest with you. Uh, generally, what I do is if you're using compost, uh, I would go three to one uh, ratio. 
um, as high as five to one. If uh, you've been doing it for a while and, uh, you know, you've got a pretty good rich soil, you can go ahead and cut back a ways. But I'd say, yeah, I wouldn't even do three to one. I'd say four to one or six to one uh, being a compost versus uh, manure. Okay, and let's see, our next one here, uh, Kevin in Onalaska says, we have a small tea rose in a, a pot. Last year we bought it, we brought it in the house, and it looked like it died, but when we took it outside again in the spring, it flourished. Is it safe to put it in the garage? Do they just go dormant? Thanks. Great question, and I've uh, seen this happen a lot. No, it's not safe to bring it into a garage. Inside the house to let it go dormant is fine because you're not going to have the fantastic temperature changes that you will get inside of a garage. Inside of a garage, the temp's going to be going up and down, up and down, up and down all winter long. So basically, that's going to be allowing the plant to sleep, allowing the plant to wake up, allowing the plant to sleep, allowing it to wake up, and that's going to weaken it. And it will keep doing that until the point of it dying. You stand a chance at it. It's surviving, but more than likely it'll wind up dying, or at least you can have much weaker plants, you know, uh, than before. Now you can bring it inside, put it into a cool, dark area, prune it back, and it should uh, do very fine uh, going over winter. Or a lot of times if you've got a good sunny window, people will take a tea rose and pop it there and uh, treat it just like a house plant and allow it to uh, grow inside your house. And uh, it'll even still bloom during the uh, winter. Uh, it won't bloom as profi- prolifically as it d- does during the summer, but uh, you'll still get uh, the occasional blooms on it, and which makes it really nice. And to have a rose blooming inside your house smells so good. But, uh, okay, we got one more uh, text and one more call. Let's take the call first. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing good. What can I do for you? Good. I'm in the process of reseeding my lawn. Uh, I had a uh, new drain field put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having black dirt spread as we speak. As far as watering that, um, that be done daytime or nighttime, and how much? Great question. Now, uh, you're going to have uh, some hay or whatnot put on top of it? I wasn't going um, unless you recommend it. I would, Uh, especially if you have any type of a slope or anything. And even if you don't, uh, the reason being, no matter what, there's going to be little imperfections in your lawn. It's not going to be totally flat. And if we get a big rainstorm come in, uh, which is going to cause a lot of the seed to come up to the surface, and it will puddle. And you'll get these areas that have, you know, dense seed and other areas that are bare and barren. And uh, so you'll have all these dead spots in your lawn and other areas that are too thick. Uh, So by putting down uh, some hay or uh, they have material that you can lay over the top of the lawn now, I prefer using the hay myself or the straw. this will uh, keep that seed uh, down into one area until the grass starts to grow. Uh, also, by using the uh, hay or straw, you don't have to worry about picking it up. Uh, you mow right over the top of it. So oh. there's that aspect. 
Now, as far as how much water goes, now you don't have to water it at all. You don't have to worry about watering it until it uh, starts to germinate. Then it must be watered. Now, uh, prior to that, if you want it to germinate, go ahead and germinate now, which we still have plenty of time left, so I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. Uh, You just don't want the soil to go completely arid. Uh, Go out there, and I'm not talking about the very surface of the soil. I'm talking about, you know, about an inch down. So go out there, stick your fingers into the soil about an inch, and pinch together some soil. Bring it up to the surface and release your fingers. If that soil retains its shape like clay would, then it's got enough moisture to it. If it crumbles right apart and falls, you know, uh, falls off your finger to the ground, then it needs some moisture. And that would be time to water. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. Okay. Thanks for calling, Jeff, and you have a great weekend. Yeah, you also. Bye-bye. And, yeah, uh, I highly recommend using uh, hay or straw this time, any time of the year when you do any seeding uh, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, one, it helps uh, keep the moisture in the ground. Two, it keeps uh, this, you know, like I said, uh, the seed in one place uh, if we get a pooling-type rain. And uh, three, uh, it actually helps keep the birds away from eating uh, seed. So that helps you out right there, too. Okay, now Russ has uh, sent us a uh, question, and we're going to get to that. We also have three open lines right now, 608-785-7914. we got about 15 minutes left to the show, so please don't wait to the very end. And let's see, what does Russ ask? Uh, we bought a hibiscus in a pot yesterday. Do we need, uh, we need advice uh, for planting it outside in lacrosse? Okay, first off, you have to determine whether it's a uh, perennial uh, hibiscus or a, or a hardy hibiscus or if it's a tropical hibiscus. There's two different types there, uh, Russ. Uh, assuming that it is the hardy hibiscus, and you can go ahead and plant it outside. Uh, right now is a perfect time of the year. Between now and October is the best time of the year to do it because the top of the plant isn't growing anymore. Uh, it's uh, starting to gear its energy towards the roots, and that's what you want when you transplant the plant. So go ahead and dig a hole. Uh, do not dig it any deeper than what the soil is at already. Actually, you want to try to mimic that layer or that uh, depth. And you could dig it a little bit wider than the pot is now. So, you know, you loosen up the soil around the uh, roots itself. And then you go ahead and, uh, you know, pull up uh, carefully out of the pot, stick it into the ground, and uh, replace any soil uh, surrounding it. Make sure it stays well watered. Any time that you transplant a plant, they use a lot more water. Uh, They are taken in a lot because basically you're injuring the plant by transplanting it, and they're going to need moisture to help uh, sustain it. They will also need moisture to get the roots up and growing. And that's what you want. Now, right now is also you don't want to add any type of nitrogen-type fertilizer to it. That will tell the plant to wake up and get growing again. And that's not what you want. Uh, It'll get growing up with the nitrogen and the fertilizer. Uh, What you want to have it doing is growing down into the ground. 
And uh, I was saying this before to somebody else. I forget who. I think it was uh, the first gym that called. Uh, you want a fertilizer that has a uh, higher uh, percentage of potash in that case. And that goes, and phosphorus too, and that goes towards the uh, root growth. And it'll help, uh, you know, settle the plant in and uh, give it some energy without telling it to grow up, which you don't want this time of the year. Okay, uh, let's see. That is, takes care of all of our text questions, and we don't have any phone calls coming in right now. We've got about, oh, 12 minutes left to the show, so if you've got a question, go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And uh, otherwise, uh, things I did want to finish talking about as far as bringing your plants inside. Now, if you don't have an enclosed porch, a garage can be utilized for a short period of time when you're transitioning your plants. Hey, it's not the best, but it's better than nothing. And, uh, you know, granted, the temperatures uh, tend to change drastically inside of a garage. Uh, if you can, leave the door open if you're in an area where you can get away with doing that. You don't want to uh, shut the garage door and have it get up to, like, 90 degrees in there during the day. And, you know, going from 70s outside to 90s during the day is a you know stressor on the plant uh and garages do tend to get really hot so if you got a window or if you can keep the door open a little bit that will help if you don't have a garage you're still not totally out of luck you can go ahead and slowly transition your plants uh by bringing them up to the side of the house uh just the fact that you're moving them from out in the middle of the lawn up to the side of the house uh, is a big difference in uh, their environment. And also having them up uh, next to your house makes it easier for spraying and stuff like that to uh, knock off any hitchhikers if you can get them all together before, you know, bringing them indoors. And, of course, if you have to, you can bring them indoors. Uh, but if that's the case, then you got to really start to look for uh, damage because there's a lot of things that are going to be stressing your trees out, or your plants, rather, as you bring them inside. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, looks like we have one text message, too, but we're going to have to wait till we take care of a little bit of business and some weather. But we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM and the Plant Doctor Show in just a minute. The Plant Doctor can player. And we are back, and uh, we had, like I said, one more text come in. Uh, now we have two, actually. Uh, this one's from Russ. Uh, we bought, no, Russ was the last one. Okay, is this it? Okay, yeah, we only had one text come in, and this is a no name. Uh, I was given some calla lilies last fall, and uh, this will be the first time digging them out for the winter. What do I do? in order to bring them, uh, to properly store them. And a common question this time of the year is, what's the best way to store bulbs and lilies and uh, such? And with calla lilies, there's two schools of thought. One is to uh, dig up enough soil to fill a pot 
and uh, put the uh, bulb and soil both into the pot and store the pot uh, and allow it to go dry and cool and dark. I don't like that way. It's a little bit more work, but I like removing all the soil. And this is uh, for any type of a spring bulb uh, that you have to dig up, delphinium, um, any of the uh, ones that you dig up every year and, uh, you know, move them in and out. What I would do is you remove them from the soil and allow the soil to dry out on the outside of the bulb. Bring them indoors. Uh, it takes a couple of days for the soil to dry. You want to brush off as much as you can very lightly away from the uh, bulb itself or the tuber. Uh, then take like a uh, soft uh, bristle screw uh, toothbrush and lightly brush away some of that soil from the bulb, but you don't want to uh, harm the bulb, though. So uh, opt to leave a little bit of dirt behind instead of going into the bulb to get rid of the dirt. Uh, because what happens is that dirt is going to hold moisture up against uh, any moisture is going to be held there. And that will be a spot that will start to rot, where if you remove all that uh, soil, it won't have those spots uh, retaining any moisture. Also, after you get done doing that, you take the bulb itself or the tuber and uh, you stick it into uh, a box filled up with peat moss. Now, you don't have to bury it totally. You can if you wish, but you don't have to. Uh, Generally, I leave about a third to a quarter sticking up out of the ground or out of uh, the uh, tops of peat moss. And, you know, I'll uh, push them in, uh, you know, just so, you know, that little bit is sticking out. And then once every couple of weeks, I will ever so lightly mist the uh, box of uh, peat moss. And I'm talking about holding it, uh, a mister up in the air and uh, misting it so if, you know, uh, comes down over the top of it, the uh, peat moss, but not being sprayed directly onto the peat moss. Uh, You just want the slightest bit of moisture when you do this. And at that point, you turn the uh, bulbs of the rhizomes over into so a new portion is uh, being pushed down into the uh, peat moss itself. The peat moss will block any type of uh, rot from occurring. Uh, there's an enzyme in peat moss that uh, will uh, do that. And let's see, uh, Northside Kent is saying there's lots of black walnuts out there this year. The squirrels are telling us it's going to be a doozy of a winter. And, you know, uh, I did a show on this uh, quite a few years back, and that's a good subject. Maybe I'll do it after the Oktoberfest show. Uh, that's a really good subject. Uh Maybe we'll do it for the Oktoberfest show, too, which is next week. Uh, the uh, There's all sorts of little things that Mother Nature, you know, the uh, woolly bear caterpillars, uh, the amount of uh, black chestnuts, uh, all sorts of little signs and stuff out there in the nature that uh, point towards, you know, this being a bad winter or this being a mild winter or what have you. Uh, sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, but it always makes for a pretty good discussion, a fun discussion. 
Okay, we got about four minutes left and one caller coming in, so let's jump back to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. What can I do for you? Good morning. Um, Aspen trees, mm-hmm. do they do well in this climate? Yes, they do. <clears throat> Are you a newcomer they, to the area? Go ahead. Are you a newcomer to the area? No, I'm not, but I have to replace a tree. Oh, okay. And um, um, I know they're kind of, are they kind of part of the birch family? Uh, mm-hmm. are they, are they, but do they last longer than birch? Uh, aspens will last uh, uh, quite a long time, and uh, going into the fall, if you take a drive around the cross area, you can see groves of aspens, uh, a lot of times growing wild. Uh, you'll see them on uh, the ridge sides and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes, you know, people plant them and, you know, they start spreading away from the area that they were planted. But mm-hmm. they uh, will do very nicely in this area. I love aspens. I think that they're one of the most underrated trees there is. Okay. It's a good, sh- it's a good shade tree and it grows fast. Mm-hmm. Grows fast. Uh, it's a, not a wide tree, as wide as others, but uh, and you could use it as a shade tree. Okay, because I need something to grow fast. At my age, I want to see it <laughs> mm-hmm. before I die. <laughs> yeah, I kind of know so. the feeling, too. Okay. All right. Have a good Thank day. Thank you very guys. much. Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, we had one. Uh, was that? Hello? Nope. Okay, let's drop that. Nope, drop that. Now it's gone. We had one other caller coming in, but they hung up. So that looked up. Oh, there they are. Good morning, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. we got about two minutes left, so go right to your question. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was buy-sell trade. No, sorry, you just made the uh, uh, honor roll. This is the latest I have ever, ever gotten a call for buy-sell or trade. <laughs> uh, no, that show's over at 10 o'clock. And the Plant Doctor Show is over in about uh, 60 seconds, so, yeah, that... That's the latest I've ever gotten a uh, call for that show. Okay, uh, we talked about the we talked about bringing them up against the house. That will work. When you bring them inside, you just want to make sure that you uh, stay on top of it. Be aware of how much water they're uh, taking. It will change greatly from outdoors to indoors uh, due to the environment's totally different. You're not going to uh, yeah, if the sun or a plant's out in uh, full sunshine, it can get zapped to moisture a lot faster than it will inside your house a lot of times. Uh, and vice versa, if you have it out there in the shade and, uh, you know, you've got good soil inside the pot, uh, you bring it inside the house uh, into a drier environment, you might need to be watering it more often. So keep an eye on that. And a good rule of thumb, generic rule of thumb for all plants is you go ahead and, like I said before, you stick your fingers down an inch or two into the soil, draw together some soil and bring it up to the surface. If you release your fingers and that soil retains its shape or where you can see your fingerprint in it even, uh, then it has enough uh, moisture to it. If it crumbles up and, you know, just flakes away, then go ahead and water it. Okay, that's going to take care of the show this week. We'll be back here next week for Oktoberfest. Until then, anybody can have a green thumb. All you need is a can of paint. 
trusted source for news and information. Wisdom is WIZM. Lacrosse News Talk 1410 AM, 92.3 FM.